Yeah, it's Young Wolf, and we are here on this special edition of the pregame where I have the pleasure to be sitting here on Zoom interviewing the legendary DJ, Mr. DJ Dramos. How you doing today? Yo, I'm good, bro. I'm good. I appreciate you having me here uh, on the show. And, and legendary, I don't know if I can, I can fill those shoes, but, but we're going to try. Well, no, most definitely, man. <laughs> so uh, for those of uh, the people who are listening who don't know, who is DJ Dramos? Man, that, uh, that's a, I can give you a, philo- a philosophical answer on, on that one, but I'll try and keep it uh, career-wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of people might originally have been kind of put on to me from my time with The Breakfast Club. Um, I was the, the dude that sat next to DJ Envy, so I know a lot of people uh, have, have kind of followed me on my journey from there. You know, after The Breakfast Club and even during, you know, doing a lot of radio uh, for Z100 here in New York City, I still DJ for Z100 uh, and now hosting uh, a couple different podcasts for for iHeartMedia. The one that's currently out right now is called Life as a Gringo. So, I mean, all around, just kind of a a multimedia personality. I also host a TV show uh, on a a network called LATV. So, multimedia personality, DJ, uh, music producer, not as much these days, but uh, but yeah, I kind of dabble and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Got it. That's amazing. And I wanted to get into kind of the new stuff that you have going on. But before that, let's talk about mm-hmm. what got you your start kind of with The Breakfast Club and, you know, mm-hmm. making your way from there. How did how did that whole thing come about? Sure. I, I mean, it, it kind of all starts with DJing, you know, and, and just being out and about in the bars and the clubs and and just kind of meeting people, uh, you know, the, the kind of sh- long story short of it is uh, one of my my friends who who I met while while out, you know, DJing some of these bars around New Jersey. He uh, actually worked at at a KTU 103.5, which is uh, our, one of our sister stations you know, for, for iHeart. And and he began to just introduce me to different people uh, in the industry. And, you know, I would go to events and hang out and just kind of creating, you know, friendships and, and eventually one day, uh, the the board operator at KTU fell asleep uh, on the overnight shift, and they had like seven minutes of dead air or something like that. Uh, which, yeah, I, you being a radio <laughs> knows that that is a lot, a lot of time. Oh yeah. Um, so, so unfortunately, that man lost his job there. But uh, it did open an opportunity where you know uh, I was kind of able to interject myself and be like, hey, you know, I know I don't have any experience, but uh, I'd love to try it out. And and you know, because I already had built those relationships they knew they could trust me they knew kind of my work ethic and my mindset so they were basically just kind of like listen if you want to come in on sunday mornings uh i'll train you you're not getting paid and i kind of did that for like uh man six to eight months or whatever and then eventually um that led to me getting a a job as as one of the overnight board ops at ktu and then you know from there you just start kind of meeting people and your name gets out there then i finally got like an opportunity for a full-time gig and it wasn't the breakfast club it was actually a conservative talk show uh <laughs> which wow. is my my nightmare yeah. uh, and it was uh it was right around the time that trump got elected so it was when things uh, were getting extra wacky right. so you know i kind of was in like a rock and a hard place where it was like you know this is my my first opportunity to get a full-time job in in radio you know and and have a salary and have you know benefits you know at that point i didn't even have health insurance right so right I was I was just surviving off of you know a, a couple shifts overnight, so this was a big change for me. So you know I I kind of had to take it and and take the job, um, and, and luckily I did because 
you know, even though that didn't work out, uh, I ended up actually getting fired from that job uh, <laughs> because uh, it just was not a good fit for me, uh, uh-huh. you know, for, for many reasons. But most importantly, I didn't stand by anything that was happening on that show. Right. Um, but the beauty of it, and this is kind of why I always say you have to just show up and, and do your best because you never know who's watching. The person who oversaw that show um, actually o- also oversaw the like national version of the Breakfast Club, the syndicated version. Right. So when our boss at, at Power 105.1 reached out to that person and said, listen, I'm looking for, you know, a, a board operator who we can count on, you know, um, she and that the other person that had been working for under the conservative show actually recommended me. She said, yeah, I think Dramos would be a good fit for this. You know, we had him on another show, but I think this is a better fit for him. And that's kind of how it all began to roll. But even with that, man, you know, uh, I don't want the, to drag the story out too long, but, you know, I didn't get in the room with them for, man, probably another six to eight months. I was actually in the other studio operating the local like New York side, you know, so I wasn't right. even in the studio with them for a while. I had no promise of that being my gig. And then eventually again, you know, uh, somebody messed up and it's kind of like next man up mentality. I got the call and I, I stepped in and, and that's kind of, you know, how it all it all began. Right. And, you know, that's I mean, that's an amazing story. Again, uh, kind of taking the opportunity when it came, even though that wasn't something you necessarily wanted to do with the conservative show and being right. able to cross over and end up doing something you want to do. Um, yeah. Talk about how difficult it was or if it was difficult to transition from, you know, being at the Breakfast Club, you're nicely syndicated, you kind of um, you have something made already versus yep. when you decided to leave and start something fresh, independent, you know, talk about the difficulty in making that decision and stuff like that. Oh, man, that that was probably one of the hardest decisions of my life for sure. I think, you know, even though I knew in my heart I hadn't been happy for a long time there, you know, just because I felt like I had outgrown the position and I wanted something else for myself. um, It still was was like a lot to kind of have to, you know, think about because it's a huge it's a huge platform, you know, the biggest in the world, I would argue for for radio, you know, and and I get to have a front row seat to that. And there's, of course, a lot of perks that come along with it, with being attached to that brand and, and a lot of attention and opportunities and things like that, you know, um, and, and not to mention, you know, it's a, it's a salary and it's benefits and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But but for me, you know, I, I kind of was just like, listen, you know, I this isn't making me happy. Right. Like the reality is, if you offered me a million dollars a year to work that job, I would probably do it for the first year to collect a million dollars and I would still be out. You know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Right. And and that's not like in a disrespectful way to the show. I, I, I feel blessed. I've had the opportunity. But just because but I, I say that because it wasn't for me anymore. You know, I wanted more for myself. So, you know, it, it weighed heavily on me for, for a long time. But at the end of the day, I, I knew I just had to to bet on myself and and see where it went. You know, I knew that every time i i did bet on myself and i followed my gut you know i was able to to make an opportunity out of the next move you know so i I had confidence that i could do that and then luckily to you know the the podcast deal that happened uh you know the the few months before i ended up leaving you know was a great kind of bridge to to give me uh you know like a financial runway and and a platform as well to to kind of be able to justify leaving and then you know from there i I just kind of use that as my momentum to, to keep building Right, right. And so the podcast deal you got, that's for Life is a Gringo, correct? Yep. Right. So talk about, you know, the inspiration behind that podcast and kind of what you talk about generally. 
Yeah, so that that podcast is on uh, the the Michael Tura Podcast Network, which is iHeart's Latinx Podcast Network, and and my show speaks to uh, Latinos who were born here in the states, right? And and we have a bit of a different experience from the previous generation, you know, where we're. Uh, you know, obviously our, our roots lie in where our family's from, but we're also Americanized because we grew up here in the States, right? So for me, my family would, would clown me back in Puerto Rico like that, you know, I didn't speak Spanish or, uh, you know, that I dressed differently or whatever, you know, they would call me a, a gringo, right? And then, you know, the on the flip side of that, the kids I was growing up with in the suburbs would like make fun of me because my dad had an accent or, you know, my, my house smelled a little different. So it was like, you're not you know, a part of this or a part of that, you exist in this gray area, you know, so I, I wanted to make a show that kind of spoke to that experience. And, and also speaking to, you know, first and second generation um, Latinos, because I feel like, you know, we are kind of the, the future of our community, you know, so I think there's a, a lot of work to be done in, in breaking various generational curses and a lot of personal growth that can happen. Um, and, and old mentalities from previous generations that we have to shed. So we kind of touch on a, a lot of different things like that. But I think at its core, it's a it's a show about, you know, finding your authenticity and, and you know, being confident enough to walk in it. Right. And I think that's very important. And I know recently I saw you spoke about Latina fetishization um, yeah. in media and things like that. And I think that's definitely something very important to talk about if you want to kind of delve into that and what that, you know, is about. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, this was kind of sparked over. Um, what happened with AOC as she was walking up the, the Capitol steps, you had a, a white guy um, just kind of yelling derogatory things to her while filming and saying, you know, she was his favorite um, big booty Latina. And, and you know, uh, he was like hot, 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 spicy, you know, like all of these kind of tropes that are that are sort of stereotypes that we hear um, about Latinos, but specifically Latin women. Right. And and that obviously bothered me in general for for her as a woman walking to to work to be harassed like that you know by a a, a man but you know it got me reading about some different conversations and, and kind of seeing the feedback from from women in our community and seeing a lot of really startling statistics about the fact that latin women are are victims of sexual assault at a higher rate than any other group of people and much of that is because of these notions like the man was spewing out there right big booty Latina, right? That becomes a fetish, this this idea of, of wanting to, you know, uh, check that box off, right? Of, of having a night with a, a big booty Latina, quote unquote, right? And that's, again, pushed by the, the media and the narrative that you see out there, the people that are cast, you know, in television shows, <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, the, the people in cast in, in television shows, like, you know, no disrespect to her, but somebody like uh, Sofia Vergara, right, from Modern Family, right, that's like the prototypical Latina that is cast, and she's incredible, but also just having her be the face does a disservice to Latin women out there, right, and it also, her playing a role of being over-sexualized on that show and sort of being the sexy relief on the show, again, creates a mindset in the real world where, you know, the women in our community can oftentimes be viewed as sort of uh, like this this fetish or this itch that needs to be scratched rather than a, a full-fledged human being, you know? So I wanted to to kind of speak to that and, and sort of point out, you know, uh, that th this is a really toxic way of, of thinking and, and that media and societal tropes and stereotypes all contribute to you know these these numbers that we see again where latinas are are sexual uh victims of sexual assault at a higher rate than any other other group of women so it's just you know conversations like that one i feel are, are incredibly important to have especially as a man you know 
Right. And I think that's definitely important. And I think you do this as well because you have a show, uh, The Recap, that's on yeah. LATV. And so talk about, is it similar to Life is Ringo with the content that you're talking about? Or what's kind of the differences and what, what do you get into with that? Yeah, it's it's pretty similar, you know, so Life is a Good Ingo, I do two episodes a week. I do one where I kind of, uh, you know, talk about something that is on my mind or some sort of like personal growth topic. And then the second episode is covering trending stories from within our community. Now, with the recap, it is a similar concept with covering trending stories and, you know, and I'll have a guest on it as well and things like that. Um, a little different because I kind of do a bit of a monologue at the beginning, kind of, um, you know, similar formats like The Daily Show, if you will. Um, and but but, you know, all similar kinds of, of, of conversations, you know, important topics that I think our community needs to be aware of. And then obviously it can't always all be serious all the time. Right. So, you know, interjecting different pop culture things that we can give our our kind of hot takes on and, and, and our opinions on as well. You know, just kind of trying to create, you know, uh, a platform that is uh, informative, but also knows how to, you know, have some fun and, and give people, you know, some entertaining moments. No, that, that's definitely amazing. And talk about, I know, obviously, with everything that you're doing, you're very in touch with your culture and culture is very important to you. Uh, was that ever frowned upon coming up in, you know, in the DJ scene and things like that? Was Did people ever try to make you um, mask your culture? And if so, how were you able to combat that? I think growing up, it felt like I had to kind of mask it a little bit. You know, um, there were a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, sort of stereotypes that people tried to push onto me about what it means to be Puerto Rican. Right. And if you didn't fit into that, you know, you were called a fake Puerto Rican or whatever. Right. So I, I think that growing up, I think. I struggled a bit with my identity. I, I think I tried to sort of, you know, uh, fit in rather than stand out, right? And mm -hmm. and I think as I as I got older, you know, I kind of just had this inner voice in me of of wanting to reconnect with with my roots, you know. Um, and and that was kind of a bit of a, a slow process, but you know, it's one that I'm I'm incredibly grateful for. And, and kind of the Breakfast Club has been a, a pretty big inspiration as well. I mean, to see a show that is so successful yet is also unapologetically black right it is incredibly inspiring to to kind of see and to look up to and you know for me getting into radio initially it felt like i kind of had to hide a bit of my uh you know uh ethnicness i guess if you will right i had to blend into what what they were doing and and you know uh and, and kind of maybe change the way i spoke or whatever it was but you know for for me again the breakfast club allowed me to kind of see that you don't have to do that and and that actually if you begin to embrace you know your your authenticity that that's when opportunities actually begin to to pop up for you because you then begin to actually really speak to people and, and the people that you know need to find you or want to find you will will always do so and i think that all then began to translate into every aspect of my life including djing where you know i began wanting to throw parties where i played specifically latin music and as a producer was producing more latin stuff you know um so yeah it, it definitely you know kind of engulfed my my whole existence but it happens slowly over time and um you know i think there's been some resistance from various platforms that i've been a part of but i think um you know it obviously it, it was the right decision and, and i feel great about it because i think i'm actually doing something you know with my my platform and with you know the various um, opportunities that i get rather than just kind of creating mindless content you know that really doesn't uh delve any deeper than than the surface yeah, man, that's definitely um, that's definitely amazing. And you spoke uh, at the end there about your DJing and how you, you know, like DJing Latin music and things like that. Uh, talk right. about all the like one of the different places that you've been or what your favorite um, place that you've been to so far, being able to DJ and being able to travel and do these types of things. 
Yeah, I think um, I think two things come to mind. Uh, playing in Vegas was amazing, just because that's kind of like the mecca for any DJ. You know, that's sort of the the biggest market for for being a DJ. It's on the grandest scale. So, getting to do that was was really amazing and then i think uh right before the pandemic i got to check probably the number one thing off of my bucket list as far as the dj goes um and i got to play webster hall in new york city and that was that was a club that i used to go to when i first just even started you know entertaining the idea of becoming a dj you know and i always told myself one day i'll get to play there and uh i you know it feel very fortunate that i got to do that and and be a part of that and, and kind of uh you know, check that that thing off my bucket list. So I definitely say Webster Hall and then, you know, Vegas is, is just on another level as well. Yeah, man, that's definitely that's definitely amazing. And when you talk about obviously, you know, you do your DJing, you have this show and you do your podcast as well. Uh, do you see yourself if, you know, progressing in your career, where would you see yourself leaning more so towards? Would it be like the entertainment route as far as television, podcasting or, you know, sticking with the DJing? Uh, I've, I've definitely begun to make the shift more so into uh, the the realm of just personality. You know, I think um, the pandemic kind of sped that process up for sure. But but I was already beginning to kind of lean that way. You know, I, I still I still love DJing. I owe a lot to the art of DJing, and you know, it's still something that that is very much like a, a huge part of me and, and a part of my story. But I think for me. You know, I, I think I've gotten to live that life. You know, I've gotten right. to enjoy all that comes along with being a DJ. I've gotten to play all the clubs basically that I want to play at. You know, I've had some incredible moments and memories and, and, and friendships that I've made throughout it. You know, so for me, I'm, I'm more so focused on like, where can I make the biggest impact for my community? Where can I, you know, touch the most people? And, and that that for me is more so using my voice uh, as a personality rather than obviously, you know, just sort of providing the the background for people to uh you know kind of blow off some steam after a, a long week which is still important but you know not as important as the work i feel like i'm I'm really leaning towards right now right and that and that's amazing being able to you know juggle doing the entertainment and still providing a message that's helping your people grow and things like that i just right. I definitely think that's amazing so thank you when it comes to you know the future what would be like you said, Webster Hall for DJing, that was kind of your dream thing to be able to do that. What would be yeah. the equivalent to that on the entertainment side with personality? Oh, man, I, I think for a long time, I've always wanted to to have my own late night show. So that was, you know, big on the on the bucket list. But but honestly, I mean, I think now as I begin to be in a more comfortable position in my career, you know that that kind of has become a bit less important to me you know i i think for me you know the the more important thing would be getting involved in like the nonprofit sector you know i, I have a an idea for a nonprofit business for for puerto rico to, to help out the community over there you know so i think you know i would love to kind of really uh grow my my podcast you know it, it's already off to a great start but would grow that and, and then kind of really more so focus my my free time on on not you know the the nonprofit sector and, and really just kind of helping people out you know i think um the the personality stuff is great being in front of the camera is 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 amazing you know but i think at this point in my life i i kind of like recognize that at times that's more so you know for my own ego than it is for anything else and i'd, I'd really like to be able to kind of look back on my life and know that i was you know kind of out there in the trenches really making a difference right man and and i find that amazing man again i want to thank you for coming up here and before before I let you go, there's a question that we ask all of our guests. 
Sure. Um, it, it's the hardest question you've ever been asked in your life, so be prepared. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. If your life was a movie, what would the title be? Life is a gringo. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you had it already for you. Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been, man, not knowing it. I've been preparing for this question my, uh, my entire life. There you go. There you go. Thank you again, man. Tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. Uh, at DJ Dramos, D R A M O S, on pretty much all social media. You can check that out. And then uh, on the podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts, Life as a Gringo. There's like a hundred and something episodes right now. We just did the season one finale, but you can go binge a hundred and something episodes. And then we'll be back with season two at the end of September. Nice. Sounds great, man. Thank you so much. You heard it first. All right. You guys will find us again next week. Keep it locked. It's the pregame. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely, bro. Anytime.